Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Really grateful to be able to uh, to be here to be uh, among friends. There are many places I go throughout the uh, RCA, throughout the world, really, and and often it's uh, about what I can bring into those situations. And there's very few times that uh, I really get to have my my own bucket or cup filled. And uh, when I come to Tulare Church, that always happens. And it comes out of relationship. Many of you are just such wonderful friends and just offer such great encouragement. Hearing the stories of ministry, of what God's doing here, uh, whether it be in reaching higher, whether it be in, uh, in church planting, that uh, God is at work. And what a powerful thing it is to hear the, the stories of the spirits moving in your midst and saying that it can't be contained in this wall, these walls, but what we do as a church uh, goes beyond here. And uh, how encouraging that is. And so I'd like to begin just with a prayer blessing over you. Let's pray together, shall we? God, we thank you for this time this morning. That we do believe in you, in who and what you are. That we as your people do come to praise you this morning. To look at your word. To have your word speak to us. Transform us. Continue to mold us into the image of your son for your glory. And so, may you be present here with us, and may we go as your people changed to share the good news of Jesus Christ in your world, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be looking as we begin this morning at Psalm 145, 145, and talking about a, a generation of praise, and what does that look like, and how David the psalmist kind of gives this to us for us to, uh, to not only listen to, but to say, how do we begin to live it? And what does that really look like? And I'm going to read verses 3 through 7. It says, You are wonderful, Lord, and you deserve all praise, because you are much greater than anyone can understand. Each generation will announce to the next your wonderful and powerful deeds. I will keep thinking about your marvelous glory and your mighty miracles. Everyone will talk about your fearsome deeds, and I will tell all nations how great you are. They will celebrate and sing about your matchless mercy and your power to save. This is God's word to us. It's a hymn of praise. David, the psalmist, David, the king, comes and and writes and it's kind of interesting as you read this psalm, it's really a, an acrostic. And what that means is that uh, each verse starts with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And so if we were looking and reading it in English and it was kind of an acrostic in the English alphabet, uh, the first verse would start with the letter A, the second verse would start with the letter B, the third verse with the letter C, and, and on and on it would go. And, and here in Hebrew it goes Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet, and, and each verse is then the the, the next letter. It was used to help the people to be able to understand and, and be able to memorize uh, so that when they got together, they could speak back praise to God that they had memorized as God's people together. It was a profound experience to be speaking back and forth one to another the praises that we have for, for God in verse 21, it says, uh, my mouth, 
My mouth will proclaim the praise of Adonai. All people will bless his holy name forever and ever. And praise is to be declared privately, but it's also to be declared publicly. That we come and we gather as God's people to praise God and offer our praise to God. And the meaning of the psalmist is interesting in, in this psalm. Because what he says is that the entire alphabet is there to be able to praise God. That the source of, of all words is assembled and organized in praise to God. Saying that the psalmist praises God with everything from A to Z. From Aleph to Tuz, Tav. That the praise becomes all-inclusive. But what I appreciate about Psalm 145 is really the recognition that it's God's people together. That it happens uh, as we gather. And it happens for a generation. You think about that from generation to generation. Tulare Community Church started in 1972, almost 45 years old. And you look at Scripture and you realize that, that a generation in the Bible is is 40 years. 40 years. You've been together a, a biblical generation. Well, the RCA started in uh, 1628, the Reformed Church in America. It started on the island of Manhattan in New York City 388 years ago, over 9.7 generations. And if the Lord tarries 12 more years, 2028, uh, we'll share in 10 generations of praise together. Each generation praising God. And the psalmist says that this is really the choice of a past generation. That praise of God becomes this expression of our, of our faith. And that it becomes then passed on from generation to generation. And each generation has to choose for themselves whether or not we will praise God. And then how we will praise God. Finding our own voice. Finding our own expression of of praise. We've had many generations where the next generation that followed chose to praise God in very much the, the same way as the previous generation. But today there's kind of more of a desire for a a new song for praising God in ways that are personal, praising God in ways that are, that are unique. But each generation needs to make a choice for themselves. And verse 4 says, Each generation will announce to the next your wonderful and powerful deeds. You kind of think and say, what if in uh, 1788, the fourth generation decided not to share with the fifth generation their praise to God. That they didn't want to announce the wonderful and powerful deeds that, that God had done for them. See, each generation makes that choice. It was three years ago that the uh, Japanese American United Church, which is a Reformed Church in America congregation in, in New York City, they celebrated their 120th year of ministry as three generations. 
And they shared the story about how they, they started. It was in 1893 that a, a, a Japanese evangelist walked from Oregon all the way to the Brooklyn shipyards in New York to share the gospel with the Japanese shipyard workers that were there. He wanted to share the mighty acts of God in Jesus Christ. And three generations later, the church is still there, praising God. Earlier this year, I was in uh, Claverock, New York, uh, and sharing in their uh, 300th anniversary as a congregation. They started in the year 1716, 17.5 generations. So I was doing some of the reading of their history. Came across a story of a young man that came to faith in Christ in that church. His name was David Abiel. Uh, he hadn't been connected necessarily to the church, came and, and accepted Christ there, and God called him into ministry. And he ended up going to a, an RCA seminary in New Brunswick, New Jersey, New Brunswick Theological Seminary. And it was there that God called him to global mission. And so in 1842, he set sail for Asia. Fast forward to uh, two years ago, my wife Laura and I are in China. We're down in the southern area of China. It's a city called Shaman. The time of David Abiel, it was uh, a city called Amoy. And that's where he landed. And after being there for six months, he started a church. Fifty people were already gathering and beginning to worship together. Now, when we were there just uh, two years ago, we looked at this plaque on, on this sign. And the sign said, the first Protestant church in China. It was a church that David Abiel had started there in Amoy, in, in Shaman. The totals today are that there are, between the unregistered and the registered church in China, 300 million Christians. And you look and you see the roots. You see the faithfulness of generation, of praising God from generation to, to generation. And we look and we say it becomes the, certainly the choice of the past generation. But it's the vision that we have to pass it on to the next generation. And so the second thing that we see really is that it becomes the challenge of our generation. Will we offer praise to God? Verses 5 and 6, it says this, I will keep thinking about your marvelous glory and your mighty miracles. Everyone will talk about your fearsome deeds. And I will tell all nations how great you are. See, for our generation, the challenge is to continue to praise God, to keep thinking about God and the things of God the awesome things that God has done for us. To keep talking and to share the reality of how God is at, at work. Think of my friend down at Emmanuel Church down in Paramount, Rudy uh, Rubio, who was a gang member. A gang member who God grabbed his heart and he had an awesome conversion to follow Jesus Christ. It didn't just say be a Christ follower, but led him to become a commissioned pastor. And now as he's going to seminary to say, I'm going to give my whole heart and life to Jesus. 
And you see transformational experiences like that. Another Hispanic gang member in Holland, Michigan, of all places, to say that there are Hispanic gang issues there. And one of our, one of our churches has a commissioned pastor that came out of that same pathway. That God has the ability to change hearts and change lives. And we can tell of those mighty acts. But it just doesn't happen here. Look at it globally. In Kenya, one of the things that we're doing is uh, drilling wells for the Maasai people. Recognizing that the need for water is so critical. But it isn't just giving them a, a well so that they might be able to live themselves or to feed their cattle or even to, to water their crops. But at every place we drill a well, we start a school and we start a church. The school helps to begin to, to break the cycle of poverty that is there. And the church, the church isn't even a building. It, it's the people meet under a tree next to the well so that they can praise God. And it becomes a, an ongoing challenge for us to be able to tell how God is, is at work. How God is active today in our lives in in our experiences when i go throughout the rca i i share the story of what god is doing in in Tulare. the churches that you're planting that the vision of of ministry that you have the partnership that we share with you and with sunrise and starting a new uh hispanic church with carlos cora in visalia and saying that's for today That's our testimony of how God is at work, and it gives us a reason to praise God. And I realize that the RCA is starting one new church every 21 days. A new church every 21 days throughout the United States and and Canada. And that three out of every four people in those churches don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. See, it's our opportunity and our challenge that we respond to that we have stories to share that we have testimonies to to give so that we can offer our praise to god and it's recognizing that praise is rooted first of all in who god is that's why david states kind of in verse one he's he says i'll i'll exalt you my god the king i will praise your name forever and ever god the king he says i will praise your name Name was a very important concept in the, in the Near East because names reflected the nature and the character of the person uh, who carried them. And so it was kind of the equal then to the essence of your being. As you're going through your series in, in, uh, about Moses, you go back to Exodus chapter 3 and you look at Moses as he stood at the burning bush and he responds to God's directive to, to return to Egypt And Moses says this, he says, If I come to the Israelites and I say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask, What is his name? What shall I tell them? See, Moses asked for God's name in order to fully understand and then be able to convey to the Israelites who this God was. And God comes back to Moses and he says, Tell them, I am has sent you the pre-existent one the one who has always been love one interpretation of god's name for himself as the god who makes things happen our praise is rooted in god god who has always been god who does not 
change in who and what he is. But the psalmist also reminds us that praise is rooted in how God has acted. We look and we see because God does not change. I know that what God has done in the past then, he will also do in the future. We can remember it. God's answers to to prayer, mighty miracles. We meditate on it. It reflects, it shows God's greatness. See, part of the challenge is that we think and talk more about ourselves than we do about God. Let's rewind that tape one more time. Part of the challenge is, is that we think more about ourselves than we do about God. That God is simply a name to us. That God isn't real to us. And that we need to go deeper in that relationship with God. A God who loves us. A God who is there for us. God who transforms and God who sends us out to tell about it. Because if we don't, there may not be a next generation. See, and this is the third thing, that praise praise is the changing of the next generation. See, the, the next generation in the 21st century is changing like it never has before. And the choice and the challenge is facing change like in no previous generation. Research by the Barna Group shows that 59%, three out of five millennials, those that are between the ages of 18 to to 30, uh, who are young Christians, disconnect either permanently or for an extended period of time after age 15 from the church. David Kinneman wrote a book called You Lost Me. And he shares some of the reasons why this next generation is, is leaving the church. One of the reasons that he said is that uh, churches seem overprotective, right? And with the huge access to pop culture and, and exposure to uh, alternative ideas, uh, to alternative worldviews, uh, millennials see the church as trying to just kind of cocoon them from being able to engage their faith in the world and with the world uh, in ways that can bring change. And so they, they see a church that teaches Christ against culture rather than seeing Christ as the transformer of culture, living out our reformed worldview. Another reason, he says, is that their experience of Christianity is is shallow, that the church just tends to be boring. Faith is a very irrelevant topic. The Bible is not taught deeply and passionately about who and what God is and how that impacts our, our life. One next generation uh, young person said uh, very simply, God seems to be missing from my experience of church. What a profound sadness. God seems to be missing from my experience of church. Third reason is that uh, churches uh, come across as antagonistic to science. See, millennials kind of feel this, this tension They've been raised with a church saying one thing and then their school saying another. 
And the need is to be able to provide testimonies from deep science-minded kinds of thinkers who've been able to negotiate the tension and stayed faithful to their beliefs while being able to still engage in science and being able to, to provide those kinds of places for conversation and, and discussion. Another is that they wrestle with the exclusive nature of Christianity. See, the, uh, the next generation's been kind of shaped by a culture of inclusiveness. It's around issues of race, ethnicity, even sexuality, religion, things how they deal with their tech tools and their sources of authority. They want to be able to find common ground. And so how can we then recognize the uniqueness of Jesus Christ in this kind of environment and provide then a foundation in which they can feel anchored in this marketplace of ideas and competing worldviews that they constantly are dealing with? And then lastly, the church feels unfriendly uh, to those who doubt and we need to be able to provide a, a safe place for discussion when faith doesn't make sense. To be able to help work out our faith with fear and trembling and not be afraid of it. To provide mentors who are capable of sharing in the journey of being able to care and, and support and, and understand and be a safe place for questioning and conversation while going deeper in relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a changing next generation. We pray that God can fully and faithfully then help to experience uh, what it means to be a generation then who is able to continue to praise God. Psalm 145, 7, They will celebrate and sing about your matchless mercy and your power to save. See, this is a generation that wants to be committed. That really has a, a radical view of what it means to follow after Jesus Christ. Kind of look at that definition of radical. It very simply means to depart markedly from the usual or the customary. Favoring or affecting fundamental or revolutionary changes in current practices, conditions, or situations. See, this generation can teach older generations. Uh, and they can also then begin to pass on praise in a unique way to the generations that follow after them. And it's a shift and a change that they can make then a difference in, in our world. And it's a praise that works. It's a praise that's marked by sacrificial service. This generation wants to put their faith into action. See, Jesus laid down his life for us. We ought also then to lay down our lives for others. That we become the hands and the feet of Christ. That we grab the towel, we pick up the basin, we wash feet. And so we serve the poor. We feed the hungry. We help the homeless. We reach out to the marginalized. We visit the prisoner and we willingly and sacrificially just like Jesus did, just continue to give our life away. It's also for this generation about authentic relationships. See, change and transformation happens where there's deep and honest relationship, where love is, is present. 
It means that we're able as God's people to live in love like Jesus and radically follow Him. But yet also there's spiritual transformation. As followers of Christ, uh, we're able to see not just change in circumstances or situations, but to really be engaged in the transformation in people's lives that last forever. It says they will celebrate and they will sing about your matchless power to save. See, it's a word picture that the psalmist is really kind of painting here in Psalm 145 as he's doing this. And he kind of talks about this this experience of worship where one side of, of the worship center or the sanctuary says to the other side, let us tell you about the awesome things that God has done. And then this side stands up and says, no, you think that's pretty awesome? Let us tell you about the awesome things that God has done. This side says, no, let us tell you. And and back and forth. It's exactly what David's describing in this psalm. A group of people worshiping God, praising God by telling the, the awesome acts, powerful works that God has done in praise. Wouldn't that be a, an incredible worship experience to be a part of? To have us go back and forth and share again and again of, of God at work. Of saying, let us praise God for what God has done and who God is. And let's ensure that we pass on that praise to the next generation. That we would be able to say that the next generation praises God in greater ways than we do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word to us today. I pray that we would be a people of of praise, that we would know your name, that you are the God who makes things happen, that we would look around with new eyes, that we would see you at work, that your spirit would be active, that we could see signs of transformation again And again, that you would bring hope and help and healing. That you would use us as conduits to be able to do that. And Lord, that you wouldn't be able to keep us silent. That we would again and again just shout praise to you. Because of who and what you are. And these things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand together, shall we, for the benediction? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.